Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. In today's episode, Jarrell Worthy and I recap Championship Sunday and discuss Marcus Mariota's future as a starter, Jason Garrett's impact on Daniel Jones, and the Panthers' decision to structure their franchise with three former college coaches. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid midway in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, finally broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got a, you know, uh, all pro on the other side of the ball, um, um, so when you got a guy like that, you know, that's just going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or uh, a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So. And rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh, well, if that person got a franchise quarterback, uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tells you he is. Oh, he has a great defense, he has a Ezekiel You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not time break that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good 
Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you. Joining me again is my co-host, Jarrell Worthy, as we gear up. This is kind of an off week. We got the Pro Bowl going on this Sunday, and then Super Bowl 54 next Sunday in Miami. But first thing, let's check in on my brother, Jarrell. How are you doing? Man, I am doing spectacular this evening, man. Uh Appreciate you checking in on me, working working with these kids over here. We're having a great time. Um, they've been down a little bit with the flu, so I'm uh, I'm playing the best uh, prevent defense over here right now, man, as far as uh, fighting off these germs. Yeah, I got you, man. I respect your grind and uh, know that you have a lot on your plate, so grateful that you're able to join in this evening. But let's get right into it, Jarrell. About an hour ago, news broke that Eli Manning is going to retire from the NFL after 16 seasons. He's going to hold a press conference on Friday to officially announce his retirement. He finishes his 16-year career with 57,023 pass yards, 366 touchdowns, 244 interceptions. Of course, he's going to be known As a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and four-time Pro Bowler. But here's the crazy thing, Jarrell, is that he's 117 and 117 as a starting quarterback. That's really astonishing. Like, when you break it down like that, um, Eli Manning, you know, we've we've known him for being the guy who essentially derailed, derailed Tom Brady and, you know, essentially being the Greek God of, of all football and all sports, um, you know, having uh, had an opportunity to win eight championships and, um, you know, being with Eli and those guys knocking him off for, for two of those. I mean, it's surprising that he didn't necessarily have the, the type of success after those wins that you would like that you would have liked to see. It really is puzzling. You know, you see all the big-time Super Bowl wins and the crazy game. I always remember the David Tyree catch and slaying the Patriots. And so it's kind of an up-and-down type of career for Eli Manning. But nonetheless, I've always respected him as a player on and off the field, the way he handles himself and family guys. So hats off to him on a brilliant career, 39 years old. Eli Manning calling it a career all that time playing for the New York Giants, so much respect to him. But let's go ahead and move on, Jarrell, to a recap of Championship Sunday. We had the AFC Championship first. That was the Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? I think the biggest takeaway for me is that this Chiefs defense is actually for real. Um, the statistics don't go away from um, – it. they don't shy away from how they closed out the year. They were being the – the number one defense in the league, giving up uh, around 14 points per game over their last four to five games um, to end their to end the season and to carry that over into the playoffs and having opportunities in which they 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 did it and, and capitalizing on those against Tennessee, man. Um, I, I think this Chiefs defense is for real and they continue to get uh, healthy. Um, I, I believe that um, we'll definitely see Chris Jones in the Super Bowl, um, you know, having him not being out there with his uh, with his teammates is a lot different and then it's going to look in the Super Bowl man and so I actually take away that this Chiefs defense is here to play they've got some playmakers that can compete and um they can continue to get better man and going against this uh this San Francisco offensive line and the way they run the football uh they're going to need guys like Chris Jones moving forward I have to give a lot of credit to Brett Veach the Chiefs general manager because he went out 
Last offseason, he signed Tyron Matthew to a three-year, $42 million contract, and some people thought he was overpaying for a safety that sometimes tends to be a little bit weak in run defense because of his size, man. But Tyron Matthew has been the lifeblood of that secondary. And then another big-time acquisition. They traded D. Ford, and they went out and acquired Frank Clark from the Seahawks, gave him that mega deal, $20.8 million per year, behind Demarcus Lawrence from Dallas. And he got off to a slow start at the beginning of the year, and a lot of people trashed the move and trashed Brett Veach for pulling the plug on Ford and getting Frank Clark. But both of those guys, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, they are primary reasons as to why this Chiefs defense has really peaked at the right time. Then, of course, Steve Spagnolo, who's got that Super Bowl win on his resume all those years. He was the Giants defensive coordinator. Things have kind of just come together in a perfect storm, so to speak, Jarrell. And you're right, this Chiefs defense, they squandered out of the gates, but they have really tightened the screws and they slowed down Derrick Henry after he basically trucked over both the Patriots and the Ravens' defenses. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was cool, man. My guy, uh, Frank Nitty Clark, man. Nitty is the nickname uh, to the ones that, that know him personally. Um, it's, it's so exciting to see him back up his words that he said all week. Um, Tyron Matthew as well. Uh, these guys came to play, man. They've changed the the outlook in the locker room. These guys are, are approaching the game with a more uh, physical mindset, and they're ready to you know to receive all punches. And I think at the end of the day, um, uh, the Tennessee Titans wanted to come in and establish the run. The Kansas City Chiefs knew that. Uh, you know, obviously Mike Vrabel says they they didn't want to go away from what they do well. Um, but holding, you know, Derrick Henry to 3.6 yards per carry made those guys get out of character to where you have to put the ball in the hands of of uh, Ryan Tannehill to push the ball down the field to get you out of the, a lot of the third and long situations in which they faced. And so at the end of the day, uh, these guys had early success in the game, you know, going up 10-0. But, you know, uh, the shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs for having an opportunity to to put their money where their mouth is and, and prove that they're uh, that they are here to uh, <laughs> they're here to stay. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes went 23 for 35, 294 yards, three touchdowns. To go along with that rushing score, 53 yards rushing for him. This is a Chiefs team that was down against Houston. They surged back. We saw how they came back and won 51-31. And then the same story against the Titans where they got down multiple possessions. But Patrick Mahomes came out firing. That offense was nearly unstoppable. And so now the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid, who's regarded by many as the NFL's best current coach without a Super Bowl win, He's going to get another chance, Jarrell. I mean, he had his chance with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he lost in that appearance to the Patriots 15 years ago. But now he gets another shot at redemption, and it's going to be the first Super Bowl appearance for the Chiefs since January of 1970. Man, uh, 50 years. and I mean, it's really it's really astonishing to see. But like I said, man, these guys have these guys have been really coming hard all year as far as the the personnel, as far as them their play in on and off the field, and um, you know the thing about it is they've got like a guy in Shady McCoy on the bench. I mean, he hasn't even seen you know time, and this is a guy that's going to be a a future Hall of Famer one day, and so it's it's really crazy to to, to see the depth that they have on offense. 
But I think for me, um, it's just really the Spagnola defense that's having the opportunity to really come into its form. And if they get an opportunity, and if they have a chance to get Chris Jones back for the Super Bowl, which I, which I'm assuming that they will, then it's going to be, uh, it's definitely going to, it's going to be a great showdown, man, because this Kansas City Chiefs defense is picking up steam, and their offense can put up a lot of points. And so, going up against the 49ers, man, they're, they, you know how their team, how their defense rolls, and what they bring to the table. But it's, I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a strategic matchup, man, because at the end of the day, you can't just go man coverage across the board against the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to work in some type of scheme in there as well. I cannot wait to watch that game, and we're going to have plenty to break down next week out of the Super Bowl. But since you already mentioned the 49ers, that's a perfect segue because the NFC Championship was yet another beatdown drill. I know you were probably crying tears all evening oh, after what good. you saw from the Packers, man, the Niners absolutely dominated them on the ground. Raheem Mostert went out there and hung 220 yards rushing on 29 carries. They won 37-20. Jimmy Garoppolo passed the ball eight times. He went more than an hour and a half of real time between his sixth and seventh attempts of the game, Jarrell. This was just a crazy sequence of events but green bay no answers for san francisco's rushing attack and they basically pummeled them on every single carry when i mean i've never seen anything like this i mean when it in the nfl man like obviously there's going to be running backs and there's going to be teams that have opportunities to to have some you know substantial games and they're going to have you know big games but literally to give up you know, over 200 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Uh, I think three coming in the first half to um, to a running back who's been, you know, obviously you don't never want to take away from the player. Um, but this guy's been around the league, uh, according, according to my knowledge, I think six different teams. And, you know, this is astonishing, man. This is the playoffs we're talking about. And when you have an opportunity to respond – um, because we all I've been there with when San Francisco moved on to the Super Bowl and, and they came to Lambeau and they beat us with Colin Kaepernick and um, in the late game situation to kick the field goal to move on. Like I've been there in those situations going out there on the road and playing those guys like essentially Green Bay and the 49ers over the last six or seven years so or so has become a rivalry in the playoffs. And so at the end of the day. Um, you know, San Francisco's got the upper hand on the Packers and, and they have to take a long and hard look at themselves this offseason. Uh, they have to improve in their physicality up front. Uh, they're going to have to. I know Blake Martinez makes a lot of tackles, but at the end of the day, they have to get physical within their. They have to get more physical within their front seven. And so I think I look for them to improve in their defensive line to help Kenny, uh, Kenny Clark and, and his outstanding year, um, you know, being added to the Pro Bowl uh, uh, yet again this year. And so. I think, um, you know, they're going to have to take a long, hard look at what they want to do, man, because Raheem Oster and those guys, I mean, they just pummeled them, man. 18-yard rushes, 54-yard uh, rushes, 36-yard rushes. Um, I mean, like, it's outstanding when you look at uh, just the yards per carry. I think he averaged over 11 yards per carry. And so, I mean, that that just lets you know that, I mean, these guys just weren't physically or mentally ready to play. I have no idea and which uh, type of uh, program and, and, you know, or, or before the game that they had to go through. But this doesn't, this didn't, this defense didn't look like a team that was ready to come out there and, uh, and be ready for the challenge. Um, offensively, Aaron Rodgers looked good um, going 31 for 37, 
he tried to do essentially all that he could. I mean, their defense is going to be a good defense, and and you have to slug it out with them. But you know, when when the Green Bay Packers defense isn't, I mean, they're just literally non-existent. Uh, it, it 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 makes it extremely tough, um, even for a Hall of Fame quarterback such as Aaron Rodgers to to make any impact in a game like that. Yeah, the Niners' defense, though, they shut down that Packers' offense from the opening snap because you look at Aaron Rodgers, you talked about his big stat line, but I think those stats can be a little bit deceiving because in the first half, Aaron Rodgers was 9-12 for 65 yards and an interception at halftime. He had also fumbled twice, and it was 27-0 at halftime, and San Francisco was well in the driver's seat by then. You know, you know, Green Bay, Jarrell, we all know that Devontae Adams is the number one target there, but I think they really struggled all year trying to identify that second target. We know Jimmy Graham had some spurts, and he's already on the wrong side of 30, maybe on the decline a little bit, battling injuries. And so I think it really showed again in the NFC Championship game. We know the Niners defensively, they play a lot of zone coverage, and Richard Sherman having a fantastic year ended with another interception and officially put the game on ice for the San Francisco 49ers. But that front seven, once again, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, those guys are too much. And then, of course, the play of their linebackers, Quan Alexander and his return is huge. Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, the rookie linebacker. I mean, Robert Sala has done a fantastic job of getting this Niners defense not only playing as a unit, but dominating in all phases and aspects of the game. Yeah, they play with a speed that is just different than their opponent. Um, they seem to be able to tap. They tackle well. Number one, um, I think you know having Richard Sherman, you know, in your in your in your back your secondary and bringing over the the fundamentals from you know his Seattle days and what it took to to make a monstrous defense and have an opportunity. They just didn't. They tackled very well. Like when you look at the Seahawks of the past and when they won championships, they they didn't miss a lot of tackles. Um, and, and that essentially allows you to play ahead. That essentially allows you to, um, to keep the playbook open and, and you can run those exotic glimpses and have opportunities to, to rush for and, and run those exotic coverages to, to confuse the quarterbacks when, when guys are essentially, you know, they're, they're not getting a lot of yards after contact or uh, yards after catch. And so this team is, is, is firing on all cylinders from special teams to, to offense, to, uh, to their defense. And so I, I, I think it's going to be a, a different, um, a different type of test coming up when you, when you talk about the Kansas city chiefs, just because they can put up the, the amount of points that they can put up as well as they've proven last week that they can stop the run. So um, I'm personally looking for forward to seeing a Jimmy Garoppolo uh, open it up a little bit more as far as the play calling is concerned and, you know, obviously, if they're running the ball like how they did, you know, in previous weeks, then, I mean, you you, you don't have no need for him. But as far as uh, as far as the championship goes, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and what they can do offensively, um, I'm actually excited to see if Jimmy Garoppolo can live up to expectations um, that he's been doing thus far this in this season. And another teaser for Super Bowl 54 that we're going to be talking about next week, Jarrell is the potential matchup between Tyron Matthew and George Kittle because we know that Matthew has picked up 
some of the best tight ends that the Chiefs have played this season. So if that is indeed a matchup we watch, it is going to be a fun one seeing George Kittle emerge as one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And then Tyron Matthew just seeing a Swiss Army knife where he can basically play in the slot. He can play out wide. He can come down and jumps plays better than any other ball hawking safety in the league. So that is one matchup that I cannot wait to dissect and talk about next week ahead of the game. So I'm going to leave it right there because I want to leave listeners craving some Super Bowl content for next week, Jarrell. But let's get into some fact fiction. I found an interesting nugget of information on Marcus Mariota, who not a lot of people have talked about but he had his exit interview with the Tennessee Titans. We know that the 26-year-old signal caller is going to be hitting unrestricted free agency this offseason. And with the emergence of Ryan Tannehill, it's looking like his future will be elsewhere and out of Nashville, Tennessee. So here's the statement, Jarrell, and we'll discuss if it's fact or fiction Marcus Mariota has a realistic chance to start elsewhere in the NFL for the 2020 season. I think that is a fact. Um, you know, he's had some success over his tenure. Um, him and Ryan Tannehill's numbers over their career-wise is, is very similar whereas when it comes to, um, you know, completion percentage, uh, wins. Um, but, you know, Marcus Mariota brings an, a different type of athleticism to the game. We know that he can have some success passing the, the football um, when he gets hot, but then he falls into those slumps in which he turns the ball over and he gets a little careless with uh, with the football as far as fumbling the football, um, getting hit. And uh, we understand that, you know, obviously quarterbacks, once they start to feel that pressure, things start to break down for them. So I think, you know, the, the improved play of the Tennessee offensive line this year has definitely uh, been a big help for Ryan Tannehill as well. But I just think that, you know, when I'm looking at teams out here that's, that are going to be in need of quarterbacks, I know that the draft is coming up. And essentially things change from time, you know, from time to time as far as uh, from time to time as far as, you know, what the needs of a team are. Um, but when I look at I look at certain teams, um, you know, I, I look at the Miami Dolphins. I know they're going to they're trying to have a, a situation to trade up for Joe Burrow. But it might be a tough situation, and I think you know with Tua on the Tua on the the back burner with the with the hip, it's going to be a situation in which they're going to need another bridge quarterback, and you know they might not want to bring back uh, Fitzmagic, even though he's had a phenomenal year and winning five games, even though they said they weren't going to win any, uh, they were going for the offer. Um, but you know I don't count out the New York Jets. I know that you know Sam Darnold has some you know some ups and downs this year, but. He hasn't proven to be consistent for me, and I'm just at the end of the day, I don't necessarily know uh, what how they feel about moving with him long term. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, we know that you know Philip Rivers has moved back towards you know Florida. He's permanently out of you know California, and there's opportunities for him uh, to be at the helm of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I know that those are some rumors that have been swirling around the, uh, the NFL as as of last uh, last week. And so, you know, I don't count out the Chicago Bears as well. And so I just think at the end of the day, man, there's a plethora of teams out there that are in need of a quarterback and not and they might not be in a position to really acquire that type of uh, signal caller through the draft. And so there's a handful of teams in which could use his use his service or give him an opportunity to prove himself next year. 
I would say fact as well. Marcus Mariota, I mentioned 26 years old, still very young. We know he has the size, 6'4", and can be agile in and outside of the pocket. And through four seasons with the Titans, Mariota, he's amassed 13,000 yards, 76 touchdowns, 44 interceptions. His best season came in 2016 when he passed for 3,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, and just nine interceptions. But here's one sticking point to me that explains why Mariota should have a look as a starter, Jarrell. But in Tennessee, he's played for four different offensive coordinators during his tenure. He had Jason Michael in 2015, Terry Robisky in 2016 and 2017, Matt LaFleur in 2018, and then Arthur Smith in 2019. So he has not been able to just get one offensive coordinator that can build the offense around his strengths as a passer. And so when I look at some teams that make some sense to me, now one team that I think is a dark horse, which would be very intriguing, of course, this is with what happens with Tom Brady. But what about the Patriots? I mean, Marcus Mariota, he has the talent. You know Josh McDaniels is going to stay in New England because he didn't get the Browns job. But Marcus Mariota, New England, Jarrell, that kind of intrigues me just because we know he has the upside. We know McDaniels. He worked with Tebow in Denver, which, by the way, Mariota is a more gifted passer than Tebow ever was in the NFL. And so I just have some connections and connecting some dots there where New England, if Tom Brady does indeed leave New England, which we know the rumors are swirling around the NFL that he may consider going to Los Angeles with the Chargers. But how about Marcus Mariota to New England, which I think could make a whole lot of sense in that system. I would agree with you. I, I think that any 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 type of quarterback that comes into a Bill Belichick system, they're just going to teach them the tools and knowledge of the game in order to be successful. Um, you know, we've obviously seen... Uh, Jacoby Brissett, you know, being being taken away with from with the Indianapolis Colts from from this system. They've paid a Brian Hoyer. They paid a Matt Castle. Um, so we've seen, you know, quarterbacks come into this system and have success, have success and uh, and be granted contracts elsewhere. And so this definitely looks like an intriguing type of uh, relationship just because of the simple fact they don't have to give him a long-term deal when it comes to that because they're there they have their the the leverage to say you know you allow ryan Tannehill to to beat you out of your your position last year and so you're on a prove it uh type of basis right now and so at the end of the day i know bill belichick is definitely not going to break the bank for anybody he's not even willing to pay his own quarterback that he's won you know six super bowls with and so when i look at this it definitely looks intriguing, man. We will have to wait and see to see if, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota will be willing to uh, come into a Bill Belichick system. And if they have confidence at giving him an opportunity to uh, bridge the gap for their system up until they find a, a replacement or if he thrives in the system, then pay him long term. I love that idea a lot, and he works hard on and off the field. Players love him in the locker room, and so I feel like he and Josh McDaniels, they could get together and really build an offense, low budget for Bill Belichick, which he loves, as you just talked about. He's not going to go out and break the bank if Tom Brady leaves, and he would be the perfect bridge gap and potentially could be the long-term solution if they find 
his strengths and he's able to succeed in that offense. And it would be a breath of fresh air in New England because now Mariota, he's an athletic, versatile quarterback that can move and run and make plays with his legs, which we know Tom Brady, he has never been known for that. He's a pocket passer. So that could bring some more intrigue in New England. And if I'm the Patriots, I'm certainly evaluating that option considering Tom Brady's uncertain future. Let's go ahead and move to the next statement, Jarrell. And this has to do with... The former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett becoming the Giants offensive coordinator on Joe Judge's staff. And so he returns to New York where he was a quarterback. He played with the Giants a little bit there. So here's the statement. The Giants hiring of Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator will have a positive impact on the development of Daniel Jones. I'm going to say fiction um, solely off the simple fact that uh, I think, I think personally the, the, the emergence of Kellen Moore and what he's been able to bring to the game. Um, I think that, that definitely went into the success of a Dak Prescott this past year and the concepts in which the Cowboys ran. And so um, you know, he him throwing for the the, the yards and, and the completions and the touchdowns in which he did uh, came off the back of, you know, Kellen Moore being a first year offensive coordinator. The year, the year before that, they solely and heavily relied on uh, Ezekiel Elliott, which granted him that contract in the offseason in which he got he received a lot of money. And so I just don't necessarily think that Jason Garrett uh, is going to be able to improve Daniel Jones in a way such as a, a as well as Dak Prescott did with uh, Kellen Moore. I mean, with, as well as Kellen Moore did with Dak Prescott, excuse me. And so I just I, I personally would like to see, um, you know, what this what this hire is going to do for the Giants. Um, I personally thought it was just a get back at the division and and having a guy that's literally been in the, the eyes and the ears of a, J, of a of a Jerry Jones for almost 10 years and, and beyond. And so. I thought that that was just more so, hey, come come hang out with us for a little bit so you can tell us what you know. But I just I don't necessarily think that, you know, Jason Garrett is going to be a benefiting factor for the growth of Daniel Jones um, like Kellen Moore was for Dak Prescott uh, coming into this past season. I would agree with you. I think it's fiction because I know Jason Garrett, a lot of people will say, well, look at what he's been able to do with a guy like Tony Romo, help his development, Dak Prescott, but you're right on the money. I think Dak Prescott, a big leap for him obviously was Kellen Moore. Now, of course, Dak's rookie year, Kellen Moore was ahead of Dak in the depth chart, and then, of course, Moore went down with that ankle fracture, and that's when Dak Prescott got his look, and the rest is history. But Kellen Moore, I mean, he comes from Boise State, which is a bloodline for high-powered offenses, and we saw the results as he was a play caller. Dallas was atop the league in total yards, and, of course, it didn't help them win games, but nonetheless, we did see Dak Prescott take some positive steps forward as a signal caller. And then another part of Dak's rise was John Kitna, who they brought in as the quarterback's coach, who was not retained on Mike McCarthy's staff. But John Kitna, he did it in the NFL as well, and he was apparently very close with Dak Prescott. So I think those two guys had more of an impact on Dak Prescott and his big jump this year than actual Jason Garrett. But for me, Jarrell, I think just Jason Garrett, I don't think he's going to be able to go in with Daniel Jones, who's obviously going to be starting his second NFL season, and really be able to find 
the best strength for him because if I was the Giants, I would have really went hard after first securing Matt Rule and then getting Joe Brady, who the Panthers did, as an OC because I think Daniel Jones would have benefited from a guy like Joe Brady or a younger offensive mind that is coming from the college level who understands the concepts that could have related offensive schemes better to Daniel Jones and say Jason Garrett, who by the way has not called plays since 2012. I'm not sure it's a good idea for a first year head coach in Joe Judge because I get the sense that Jason Garrett, who obviously has ambition to be a head coach again, could potentially undermine what Joe Judge is wanting to do there in New York. Yeah, when I look at it, it's always going to be some a prize situation and what's going on. And Joe Judge seems to be like a straightforward type of guy, you know, obviously coming from a Belichick system and being there for so long, having the success that he had. Um, he's going to be coming in with a straightforward this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to win. This is my vision. And this is how we're going to execute it. And so, you know, obviously Jason Garrett, they've been used to the ups and downs and the, you know, the different types of headlines and the things changing overnight. And obviously uh, trying to stick with a, with a certain game plan, but having to go a different route. And so, you know, obviously Jason Garrett is, is going to be inspired to, he's going to be inspired to, to get back in the helm and have another opportunity to coach again. But I just don't necessarily see that happening, man. I think when you look at, you know, uh, what he did in Dallas and then you look at his supporting cast and then you also look at his relationship with Jerry Jones, I think at the end of the day, a lot of owners are going to be a little bit more hesitant to give a guy another opportunity like that just because they're going to think that he was just there long enough being the best friend of the of the highest paid uh, sports team in the world. And so I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to take a hard look at him and he's going to have to come in and prove himself uh, just to, just as well as a, a, a kid coming in and trying out. And so he's going to have to improve Daniel Jones drastically because we know what this kid has been able to do with nothing around him. But once you have, once you actually have, to, once you start to uh, acquire the proper pieces in order to give him some success, um, improving the offensive line as well as the receivers that he's throwing the ball to, then um, I mean, then if you can if you can improve this guy and you can get the Giants into the playoffs with having them been on the sideline watching over the last few years, then that would be uh, a big uh, that would be a big benefit for him getting back in the game as a head coach. Certainly, Daniel Jones he showed some positive traits this year in a seven game stretch. To close out the 2019 campaign, he threw for 18 touchdowns with only five interceptions, finished the year with 3,027 yards, 24 touchdowns in 13 games. And so he also displayed some athleticism, rushing for 279 yards and two scores. So we'll see how that situation develops with Jason Garrett returning to the Meadowlands. But let's go to the final fact fiction statement of the evening, Jarrell. And this actually has to do with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And David Tepper is taking a major risk. And he showed that that's exactly what he's doing by giving Matt Rule a seven-year contract. He understands that this is going to take a while for this to sort itself out in an NFC South where the Saints have just absolutely dominated every single season. But here's the statement. The Panthers' decision to restructure their franchise with three college coaches, 
Matt Rule, head coach, Joe Brady, offensive coordinator, and Phil Snow, defensive coordinator, will prove to be successful in the long run. Fact or fiction? I, man, I want to say fact just based off they're going to have an opportunity to recruit and draft the guys that they're going to be able to, that's going to be able to fit their scheme. And obviously, you know, with Tepper giving him that seven year contract, you know, that this is going to take a while. I think Matt rule came in and sold him that, Hey man, if you can give me an opportunity to be successful, if you're patient with me, then my track record has proven that I've having, I've, I've been able to turn programs around to be able to be successful. And so when I look at it, um, you know, obviously Joe Brady is is highly regarded. We saw what he was able to do with Joe Burrow this past year. Um, the weapons that they had around him, he's he had he had a creative mindset to where he was able to u- utilize the weapons in which he was given, and it was really cool to see. Uh, it was really cool to see the success that LSU was able to have offensively because we know that's always been their Achilles heel. Is, is is can they have a quarterback to push the ball down the field? And so I look at this team and I think that they're going to have to they're going to they've got some work to do. You know, obviously, you've got Christian McCaffrey there, um, but you're going to have to you're going to have to get some guys in there on the outside. that can make plays that can find that can fit into the scheme and the system in which you want uh, to run offensively. Um, and as far as the defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, I don't necessarily know a lot a lot about him. Um, I, is, if I'm not mistaken, he was the defensive coordinator under Matt Rule at Baylor. Correct. correct? So then that means, um, you know, obviously he knows uh, what Matt Rule is looking for as far as a defensive a defensive uh, game plan is concerned. But then again, man, you're going to have to try to replace, you know, a guy in Luke Keekley. Um, you know, Gerald McCoy is going to be a free agent this year. Uh, do, uh, Don Terry Poe is going to be a free agent this year. Um, you have Kiwan Short uh, under contract, but you're going to be having to improve this defensive line. Your secondary is going to have to improve. Um, you got to get some playmakers back there. And so it's going to be a tough, t- a tall task for these guys. And um, and I think with that being said, uh, De- Tepper is going to give them the reins to be able to bring in the guys that they that they need in order for for them to be successful. And so. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, a fact that these coaches are going to have an opportunity to be successful, um, knowing Matt Rule, and, and if you have an opportunity to go off what he's done before. But you know, college coaches coming into the NFL has not always uh, proven to be a successful trait. I think the only person that I can think of that's really had a ton of success is really Brian Kelly and and what he was able to do with the Philadelphia Eagles. But the team that he inherited. Um, and the playmakers and, and the stars in which he inherited, man, it was it was it was uh, amazing to see. And so at the end of the day, you can just be creative in the room when you have a ton of playmakers. But that is not what these that's the not that's not the locker room that these guys are walking into in the Carolina Panthers. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Yeah, I'm going to say fact. I think that this risky situation, I think it's going to see itself out. And I think Carolina is going to be better for it in the coming years. And that's just because I believe in Matt Rule. I believe in in him as a leader and what he brings to an organization. We saw the quick turnarounds there at Temple, at Baylor with not a lot of talent. I mean, he was getting two, three stars at Baylor and yet put together quite the miraculous turnaround 11 and 2 after struggling the first two years and so I buy into his vision and the way he's able to get the locker room on his side and then you look at Joe Brady you know hot commodity coming from LSU and I think a lot of this will depend on 
if they're able to identify their long-term solution at quarterback, we know Cam Newton's future is still uncertain there in Carolina. We'll see what happens. But, you know, the draft's coming up. They're in a position at seven where if they like a Tua or if they like Justin Herbert, I think Joe Burrow, I know there's some people that think that maybe Carolina packages Cam Newton in a haul of picks of the Bengals to take Joe Burrow at one, which I just don't think the Bengals are going to trade away that pick knowing that Joe Burrow is there for them. Finding the right quarterback will obviously be a huge part of Carolina and them being able to get this organization headed in the right direction. I think uh, the reason why these guys will find success, Jarrell, is because we're starting to see a lot of these college concepts make it to the NFL. We saw it with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray this past season in Arizona. And I remember I was one of the ones that scoffed at that hiring when they brought in a guy who was 36 and 40 as a college head coach. And mind you, I just gotten fired by Texas Tech all of a sudden gets an NFL head coaching job. And, you know, a lot of people trash that move and Steve Kime. But you know what? They didn't have a winning season, but they showed some flashes where you continue to build that personnel and that offense that Kingsbury has. They could have some real success in the coming years. And so I think when you look at what Joe Brady can bring as a 30-year-old offensive coordinator, which he is going to be the youngest OC in the NFL right now, and then Phil Snow, who you're asking about him. He has 37 years of college coaching experience, and he served as the D.C. at seven previous schools, UCLA, Washington, Arizona State, Boise State. You know, So we'll see how that defense shapes up. But I just do think that that trio with Matt Rule leading them, David Tepper obviously not hesitating to spend big time money and get his coaches what they need in terms of financial assets. I can imagine that Carolina is going to be big spenders in free agency as well. Christian McCaffrey on offense and a franchise that knows that they need some time to catch up to the Saints and the Falcons, and we know the Buccaneers with Bruce Arians, they're hot on their trails considering the strong finish they had in year one of Arians. Yeah, so I think that's where uh, the agreement is met, and um, just because this team is going to have to compete as far as the putting up points per game. I mean, obviously the Saints, they're averaging over 26 points per game. Uh, You saw what... Jameis Winston was able to do being the first 30 for 30 quarterback, but, but, but statistically the numbers leading in the league in passing yards, um, as well as, uh, as well as throwing for 30 touchdowns, man, it just is a testament that, you know, the Bruce Arian scheme and, and what he was able to do can work and it's going to take a few more pieces and, and, um, some, and, and minor, uh, Fewer mistakes on Jameis Winston's part for them to to have some success. But looking at the Panthers, man, they can't go to a a run style offense in which they've been accustomed to uh, over the last few years with Cam Newton. They tried to work into uh, some more scheme passing schemes this year, but they didn't necessarily have the playmakers on the outside for them to be successful. So they pushed the ball in the hands of Christian McCaffrey, whether that's screens, uh, flare routes, um, etc. And so. I just think that they're going to have to be more creative in order for them to score more points. But um, obviously coming into this situation, we know that the Panthers aren't going to be in a position to compete next year. 
if they if they uh, if they want to uh, if they're returning the same roster that they did this pre- this previous year. I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of different questions, and that's why I'm so excited. I know the season's going to be coming to an end, but the offseason, free agency, the draft process, all that stuff is so exciting because we're going to see which direction these teams go in, and for the Panthers as well, that's starting a brand-new era, giving Matt Rule that mega contract. And so a lot of different coaches at the college level will be keeping an eye on the transition that Rule makes to see if maybe one day they can, too, follow in rule steps and find themselves in a position to lead an NFL roster. So that is what is so fascinating about it, Jarrell. But there you have it. A couple of fact fiction statements here. And we're going to bring the goods next week as we preview Super Bowl 54, which is going to be an exciting game. A great week leading up to it. We're going to get to get into all the nitty-gritty matchups that are going to make or break the winner of Super Bowl 54. Can't wait to watch it. No, it's going to be an exciting time, man. Down in the Yayo, Miami, beautiful sunshine, uh, great water. It's going to be a great venue. Um, the Miami Dolphins and the renovations in which they did over the last few years. Um, it's going to be a great uh, atmosphere. And so... Um, shout out to all the Pro Bowlers this year, um, the guys that continue to keep uh, making a name for themselves. And, um, and man, I can't wait to talk about some good stuff next week uh, as we approach the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, Jarrell. Again, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you got a lot on your plate, but, you know, making it on the podcast this evening it was certainly fun chatting about these topics. And again, man, take care. Wish uh, your kids the best as they continue to get better and healthier. And we'll be back at it next week. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Isaac, man. You have a good evening as well. And um, I appreciate you always checking in on my family, man, because you always know uh, how important they are to me. So I appreciate it, buddy. Yes, sir. Blessings, man. Take care. All right, man. Good evening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.